get started. I want to I want to kind of back up what David was saying earlier about just there's something so uh, unifying about getting to serve side by side other people, especially when you're like me and have no clue whatsoever about how to put stuff together. I take stuff apart really well. It's a Wayman blessing or curse. I don't know. I have the spiritual gift of deconstruction. But when, when you're actually working with other people and side by side, there, there's just something so unifying about that. And so it, it is really fun that we have this workday next Saturday so we can just kind of have another opportunity for those of you who weren't able to or those of you who were. Um, and one fun thing is we're going to be laying some flooring for the youth room, which will be really fun. And if you have never done that before and you want to learn, you can learn. Okay. So a couple of things. One of the, one of the things, we have so much stuff. I'm, I'm sure you probably picked it up there as he was going through the litany of things we have going on in October. We have a ton of things. God is up to a lot. And one thing I would be really remiss not to mention is this 21 days of prayer, this 21 days of consecration that we are in the middle of right now. Um, I, I have seen a lot of you guys there. I've, I've been there a bunch of the nights. I've missed some of them. Um, but at the same time, I've also gotten to sit there, and it is, it is unlike anything I've ever experienced. Um, and I know that for some of you, you're like, oh, well, 21 days of sitting there and praying, I don't know. And it's not even praying, by the way. It is literally just sitting in God's presence for an hour and a half and creating space. And it is, I know that the, most of you are probably like, that doesn't sound interesting whatsoever. I just kind of, I have a lot going on. But the fact of the matter is, it has been so radically transforming. And as I've spoken with people uh, about it, they're just going, I wish this would go longer. And I, in fact, I want to invite Gary and Sherry Warden up here. They are, they're a couple who have been coming pretty regularly to this. <laughs> Gary is one of our elders, and, and these are, um, yeah, I just, what I would love to have you guys do is share a little bit about what God has been doing in this process for you. I know that we didn't exactly know what we were getting into when we said, okay, we'll show up to this, but what has God been doing through this process for you guys? Well, first of all, Ronnie, are you here? Yeah, he's right there. Ronnie's here. Ronnie did this, what, back in April, and he asked me, he's a neighbor of mine, he asked me every day, Gary, you want to come with me tonight? And I was thinking, you know, Ronnie, into my own, my own heart, I said, you know, Ronnie, you're a new Christian, you need it. I don't think I need it. I really did. I was thinking, get an hour and a half of prayer? you got to be kidding me. Um, so this year, we did it. I did it at kind of at an obligation. As an elder, I thought, okay, I need to be here. I need to push through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was sharing, actually asked Eric to keep us on task because I can go on for an hour. It's been so transformational for me. When I, you know, back a few years ago when I had all the kids home, I'd wake up on a Monday morning thinking, God, i got basketball practice tonight. With my kids, I got a game Tuesday, I got something Thursday. I would live my days for those events. And now I get up, honestly, Monday morning. I can't wait for Monday night for this 7 to 8.30. It's amazing. Um, so, comes. What, is, what has God been kind of stirring up in your heart? Because <laughs> oh. some people will say an hour and a half of silence. How, how does that even affect you? How has... How has God used this last couple of weeks? And this is totally different. Sherry and I have experienced totally different emotions and things. So, and I'll let her share, maybe. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, one of the nights, the first night was tough. You know, you guys got, you got six more nights. I encourage you to do it. 
You know, give it one night. Give it two nights. Actually, the first night you're not sure what to expect, and Cheryl will touch on that. I, you know, I can remember it was the Wednesday night, only because it's one of the one nights we met here, and the light was shining on that cross. <laughs> I hope I don't forget that emotion, but for 12 years, Sharon and I have been going here, and 12 years, probably twice a year, we write our sins down on a piece of paper, we fold them over, and we nail it to that cross. And I, I always hear people say, God spoke to me, and I say, God spoke to you, what do you mean? But I hear, all I heard was, Gary, for 12 years you've been saying, you've been nailing the same sins, the same old one every time. And I thought, wow, he's so right. I've got to change something. So I'm going to, can I have time to read the, uh, the first night in preparation? It's about pride. Well, it's no, about humbling yourself before God. So the opposite of humbling is pride. So the first night they have this heart preparation prayer. And I broke down as, as uh, if you know the difference, the opposite of humbleness is pride. So they said pride is, and I don't have my glasses. So it says pride is essentially selfish, arrogant, haughty, Vain, narcissistic, manipulative, controlling, dominating, impatient, stubborn, insensitive, resentful, unteachable, rebellious, fearful, anxious, complaining, disagreeable, judgmental, <laughs> negative. Some of those really hurt. Um, critical. That was more because she calls me judgmental. Cynical, indifferent, greedy, lustful, sensual, sensual, envious, covetous, jealous, fault-finding, dishonest, and deceitful. It, it just, and I thought, if I was to die, and on that, what do they call it, an epitaph? They could put those things down. They further, they far outweigh the good side of Gary Rorden. Really does. Those just spoke to me. And those are the things that are separating me from the God that loves me so much. And I don't know why I, I've known about them. It just never was clear. I think I've been doing them unknowingly. The enemy is so deceitful. So. How about you, Sherry? It, my experience is not as deep as Gary's. Um, I first went as kind of an obligation. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, the, and I have to admit, the first night was very difficult for me. I, I don't still very well, and um, so I was kind of, uh, kind of, I felt like I maybe I'm not mature enough to handle this, but I com we committed as a couple to do this for 21 days, and thank the Lord we did, because um, towards the end of that week, um, I did better, but I, kinda, I would like watch his watch to see, has it been an hour and a half yet? <laughs> and, um, and I kept saying to God, there's a blockage here, how come you're not talking to me? Mm. You know, I'm, I want to hear you, I want to hear you. And then there were, um, in the middle of it, people will, if they feel called, will share, um, you know, during their, what's happening to their, to them yeah. during the experience, whether it be a, a usually a confession, mm -hmm. yeah. And then, anyway, the next week, I was talking to God and saying, will you, you know, what, identify to me these blockages. And then people would start sharing again. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, Lord, they're sharing my sins. Thank you, God, for those people that are sharing because that was God using them to speak to me is the way I saw it. And, oh, my gosh, once that, that realization happened, it was, I, I seriously, 
it was, we, like, we can't wait to go at night to get another experience like this. It's just great. And like by putting God first and spending that hour and a half with him alone has strengthened our marriage. It's, it's, I thank God for him being a spiritual leader because it, it, I mean, it's just like what I say, when you go vertically, you also, you know, get closer horizontally. And so it's just been great. And um, one night I was babysitting my grandchild, so I couldn't come. But I put him down for bed, and I tried to do this on, on my own, in my own house, and I was so distracted. And I know God, you, you can meet God anywhere, but I, have to, I just want to encourage people to go because it is such a holy place here. And we meet usually across the hall, and um, instead of the cross, there's this, oh my gosh, there's this stained glass window that they put a light behind, and I don't know. You know how many times we've had to look at it today at the at the chili cookoff because seriously we we something we don't even pay attention to, but it's Jesus at Gethsemane praying to the Lord and 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 that's in, and so when we're sitting facing that I I just it it just spoke to me like wow I want that relationship I want to be that close to God that you know He's my one and only yeah. and um, all these other distractions do get in the way all those ones that Gary said anyway. I encourage you guys, please, please go and do it. Uh, commit yourself, because it's just a, an amazing opportunity for us. Mm -hmm. Do I have more time? You sure. Another aha moment I had, well, um, and I think it was Thursday or Friday night a week ago, I uh, came to this, God said, you know, Gary, for years you made these decisions, business or whatever they are. You made them on your own, then you asked me to bless them. And... And, I, and he said, Gary, you got, it's backwards. You need to come to me and ask for wisdom and guidance to make the decision. And I said, oh, okay. Right there, I was kind of, and so I said, okay, Lord, you know what? Right now I'm troubled with three big decisions in business. I, I need help and guidance. <laughs> I told Eric the emotions are kind of help sell this. So, <laughs> Not when you tell them. Not em. when I tell them. I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. And, you know, I, so uh, I said, Lord, help me. And he said, you know, Gary, no, you got a bigger decision to make. <laughs> he goes, Gary, you need to decide to give everything to me. Surrender it all. And I said, hmm. And I, you know what? And that's what I've been praying, Lord. What does that mean? And day in and day out, when we show up, those that are coming, you're just digging out, and you're digging out those things that I read one at a time, and you're replacing it with him, and it's, a, it's transformational. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. So when I first showed up, and I'll make it real quick, 75% of the people that showed up were from another church. They're from South County, and 25% from our church. And I said, wow, why is this? You know why? Because they went through it, and they know how exciting it is. And I think for those of us that are coming, if they do it at another church, we will spend that half hour, 45 minutes going, because it's, it's awesome. Mm. So. Right on. Thank you, Gary. Uh, Thanks, Gary. Yeah, I, I, again, I didn't have a clue what we were getting into when we said, yeah, sure, we'll host this. This will be good. We, I want this. But the reality is that what I'm finding is that an hour and a half, it's kind of coming just as you are. And you don't even know what you're carrying in with you. And I know for myself, I want a more intimate relationship with God, but sometimes it feels like I am that 
that hardened ground where God is trying to scatter seed and it just kind of lands on the surface, but it can't penetrate. And sometimes he wants to water it, but the water, you know, as it rains, it hits the hard packed soil and it just kind of courses away and never really can penetrate. And this time for me has been a time of God just beginning to till the soil of my heart, beginning to identify some of the rocks that are in the way of, of my life truly being fruitful, um, of causing me to slow down because I recognize that I live a life that is redlining. It, it's almost like I just keep speeding up and speeding up until that just becomes the norm. And then I wonder why I never have time to, why I don't remember in the day looking into my kids' eyes. I'm, I'm interacting with them, but I'm interacting with them as I'm going on to two other different things. And I have found in the last couple of weeks that I am much more present not only with God, but I'm much more present with my family. I'm much more, I'm still busy, but I'm more interruptible than I've ever been or been in a long time. And so, as Gary mentioned, we've got six more days of this, all this week and then Monday of next week. And then the Tuesday of next week, we are going to have kind of a celebration opportunity for you guys to be able to share stories of what God has been doing. Um, I anticipate this will not be the last time we do this here, but please don't think that just because you've missed the first couple of weeks, you've missed out and you don't want to show up. You can jump in at any point, okay? So this is, some, this is a big deal for our church. With that, we are wrapping up a series that we've been going through the book of Colossians. And we have been in this, whether you can believe it or not, for 12 weeks now. We've been studying this letter that Paul sent to the church in Colossae. Um, and I was really praying about, like, how, how do you wrap this up? How do you, how do you take something that we have looked at minutely and, and kind of pulled pieces out of and really examined them? And put it all together. And then I realized, well, wait a minute. If, if God can speak through us and speak powerfully through an hour and a half of silence, then God is very capable of simply speaking through his word. And so what we're going to do today is something I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, we are simply going to read the book of Colossians. Because to be perfectly honest with you, I don't want to trade the belief that eloquence can somehow generate God showing up. One of the things that God confronted me with on Friday is that as a pastor, I try to create encounters with God. In reality, I can't force God to show up. And if I am focusing on eloquence, a lot of times I'm getting in the way of God being able to speak. I'm getting in the way of God being able to have his way. So today, I want to get out of the way. Today, I simply want to read the letter that Paul wrote to the Colossian church. I'm going to invite Glenn to come up as well because um, we're just going to, we're going to take turns reading a chapter at a time. And here's what I want to do. Glenn's going to read the first chapter and then we're going to take about a minute of silence. We're just going to take a minute to process it and invite the Holy Spirit to go, what do you want to say to me through this? And then after a minute or two of silence, we'll go on to the next chapter. And we're going to do that for all four chapters of Colossians. You guys have no, you know, space in your notes, the, the pullout. If you want to pull that out and just have that on your lap. So if, if maybe there's a word, maybe there's a sentence, maybe there's just a, something that is impressed on your heart. Maybe you want to just write that down so you can remember 
what God is saying. And then during those minutes of silence, you can just kind of sit on it and go, what, what are you saying to me right now? Because here's the reality. God's word, this letter may have been written almost 2,000 years ago to a, a group of believers who are sitting in a city surrounded by a whole bunch of people who are saying, hey, you know, the, the gospel message is good, but it's insufficient. There's other things you need to do to really find maturity with Christ. This letter may have been written specifically to them in their circumstances, but because of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and because of the fact that God is way bigger than time, God is outside of time, His Word speaks to us today in 2013. His Word speaks directly into what we might consider the minutiae of our lives. And I have a feeling that God has something He wants to share with each of us today. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to begin to just let God speak to us through his word. Father, we entrust this time to you. I pray as I've been praying all morning, would you show up? Would you be in here this morning? Would you take from your word and would you till the soil of our heart and plant seeds of your truth deep in our hearts? And Holy Spirit, would you water it this morning? We give you this time. Jesus, in your name, amen. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We're writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossus who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He's Christ's faithful servant, and he's helping, you, helping us on your behalf. He has told us about your love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. 
He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming the entire message to you. The message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. how much I've agonized for you and for the church of Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For although I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. I rejoice that you're living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built up on him. Let you, uh, then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Do not let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking 
and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature that was not yet cut away. But then God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all of your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you by what you eat or drink or by not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these are rules and they were only shadows of the reality yet to come. And yet Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or upon the worship of angels saying that they've had visions about these things. Their sinful mind has made them proud and they're not connected to Christ, to the head over the body. It is Christ who holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world? Such as don't handle this, don't touch that, don't taste this. These kind of rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion or pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about things of heaven, not things of earth. For you died to this life and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in us. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always, always be thankful. Let the message about Christ, in all its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting to those who belong to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them in all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear for the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you'll be paid back for the wrong you've done. For God has no favorites. Masters, be just as fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Selves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. <clears throat> Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. This is why I'm here in chains. So pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely amongst those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Tychicus will give you a full report of how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother and a faithful helper who serves me in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. I'm also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your very own. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, he sends you his greetings. And so does Mark. Barnabas's cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes to you. Jesus, the one we call Justice, he's also sending his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers amongst my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God, and what a comfort they've been. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends you his greetings, and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After you've read this letter, 
pass it on to the church in Laodicea so that they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry that the Lord gave you. Here's my greeting. I'm writing this part in my own handwriting. Paul, remember my chains. And may God's grace be with you. Whatever he might want to say or to impress anything upon our hearts that he might want to impress. You are God and we're not. And I thank you for what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. God in human flesh. I thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to go to the cross and to take upon yourself our sins. You have paid the penalty in full. There's no debt outstanding. So that although we as human beings who are flawed and prideful and arrogant and self-centered, although we still live broken lives in a broken world, when you look at us, you don't see our flaws. You see your son's hand of ownership over us. We are your sons and daughters. You don't see sinners, you see saints when you look upon us. And I thank you for the cross. Jesus, we declare that you are head of this church, this community of believers that meet here. We desire that you would be the head of our lives. Not only Savior, but Lord. And God, we recognize that the only way that our lives will grow, the only way we will ever be transformed, as Gary was saying, man, I, I was hit between the eyes with just how many of these <laughs> adjectives describe me. How much pride I recognize in myself. And God, we recognize that we cannot transform ourselves through our own efforts. Any more than we can save ourselves through our own efforts. We grow as you, our Father, cause us to grow. This church will grow in our depth of intimacy with, with you as you in, come here and encounter us. And I repent, Father, for the ways that I've gotten in the way and thought that eloquence could re replace intimacy or replace a genuine encounter with the living God. I pray that you would blow the hinges off of our understanding of what it means to be Christ followers. I pray that you would speak truth against the lies that the enemy has implanted in our hearts about who we are or what makes us valuable to you or to others. God, I pray that you would shine forth out of this community, out of our hearts, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, at our schools, and even with our neighbors here by the church, that we truly would be a house of light, 
that we would be a, a city on a hill that shines brightly for all to see. That's only going to happen through your presence and through your, your working in our lives. So Holy Spirit, would you have your way? Would you continue to identify the things that you're wanting to till up out of our, the soil of our heart, the things that are getting in the way of us being fully devoted to you? I pray, Father, that you would break our hearts for the things that break your heart. I pray that you would help us to love one another with a love that really only you can give us. That our marriages would be marked by love, not by conflict. That even the way that we fight would be loving and gracious and patient. That the way that we raise our children would build them up and and make them desire to have intimate lives with you just as they see in our own lives. I pray for our children that you would draw near to them and that you would surround them with others who continue to pour into and love them. This is a community, a family that's much broader than just blood. I pray for our workplaces, that the way that we work for our bosses or the way that we oversee our employees would represent your heart. I pray, God, that our lives would reflect your love, your gracious spirit. Would you make us your ambassadors of hope and reconciliation to a world that desperately needs it by your strength, by your power, and for your name's sake, not for our own. Jesus, in your holy name, amen. Let's worship.